Hey, I'm Dr. Laura Berman, a sex and relationship therapist. And for the past three decades, I've been helping people learn how to love and be loved better. That's what we're doing here on The Language of Love, where I get to answer calls and emails from people just like you. My goal with The Language of Love is to help you discover more meaningful emotional and physical intimacy and to help you build more awareness of how precious and sacred your sexuality really is. Be sure to email me or reach out with your very own love, sex, relationship questions, and I might just answer them live on the air. It's time we all become fluent in the language of love. Welcome, everyone, to the language of love. And I am so excited to share this week's guest with you, Yana Robinson. Say hi, Yana. Hi. I kind of have a girl crush on you. I um, <laughs> I discovered her on Instagram probably two or three years ago. It wasn't long after I moved to L.A. from Chicago. And I have no idea how I stumbled upon your Instagram page. And the first thing that catches your attention is this is like hot, gorgeous surfer chick in these beautiful images. So that obviously captures your attention. But really what kept my attention, because I don't really follow people for their looks, is how badass she is, right? So Yana, you're a badass. And and I finally, I followed, I had so many bookmarks of your, you know, how you mark things on Instagram, because the way that she's a poet, as well as a mentor and a coach, and Yana's new book is cobwebs on her vagina. I am going to ask you why it's not in her vagina. It's like over the entrance, which I think is interesting when you when you think of cobwebs on her vagina versus in her vagina. I kind of had a reaction to that. So we are going to circle back to that because that's interesting. Um, <laughs> but I love this attention to detail. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm sure you thought that through, right? Like it's a different thing when it's on the entrance versus like, like one, it's totally blocked. Like nothing, even you haven't gone in there, you know, and the other, it's like up in there. I don't know. I just see it as different. <laughs> We'll get it. We'll get into it. But I appreciate it. I appreciate the analyzing. Yes, I analyze everything. Um, but Yana is a beautiful writer and a very um, passionate, very passionate writer. And write you write very openly and heartfelt and poetically, obviously, because you're a poet, about your search for love, about the journey of finding and connecting with your birth father about worth, you know, about so many things that affect every woman's life, you know, whether you're looking for your birth father or trying to heal the wounds of the father, right? We're all sort of trying to find that home inside ourselves. And as I followed you as someone who's on a similar journey, both in my work in the world and on my internal work, I have so much love for the way that you claim your authenticity and your imperfections and your anger and your pain and your vulnerability. And I think that is something that I feel passionate about. And so I really wanted to share you with my peeps, you know, anyone who who doesn't follow you should, and it's, and we'll give all the details at the end, but it's um, spelled J-A-N-N-E, even though it's pronounced Yana, but Yana Robinson. Um, 
And the book, like I said, is there's cobwebs on her vagina. Um, but, but one of the reason, and I don't know why, I think maybe also I've been going through my own, you know, I talk about this a lot. We don't have to get too far into it, but I've been going through my own painful metamorphosis. So I feel like in part, I reached out to you just because I'm finally coming up for air and being proactive about connecting with people that I really want to bring to this audience. But what really, what made me like actually reach out to you was a post, and I want to talk about this, a post that you made about sneaky leaky sexuality, because this is so important and not something that's talked about. So will you share your thoughts about sneaky leaky sexuality? (laughs) Yes. And also it's such a thank you for all the words of affirmation and resonance to sit here receiving being like, yeah, my love language. Um, (laughs) Really excited to be here with you. I was just sharing uh, with Laura that this is also the highlight of my week. So thanks for having me. And, uh, Yeah, sneaky leaky is just to break it down into a really concrete way and then we'll go abstract. Mm -hmm. Sneaky leakies is a way of describing integrity. So when I talk about what's leaky, I'm often, it's describing a context of integrity and relationship. And I just coined sneaky leakies recently because I was, I've been having conversations with different men I've dated the last few years around what we would consider flirting or what we would consider integrity and how we engage with members of the opposite sex. And I personally think it's all about the intention and the energetic behind it. And so I think we can look at someone in a way Mm -hmm. that is sneaky leaky and kind of a bit out of a bit fishy or like a bit out of integrity. Or we can look at somebody in a way that's totally integrity sound. And so I don't view being an integrity when I'm with somebody as just not physically breaking a boundary of kissing or having an affair. I think that we have emotional affairs. I think that we energetically step out of choice with our partners when we are being leaky with our energy. And so I've been exploring that in a lot of ways. And I think that it requires a level of awareness over ourselves. Mm-hmm. It requires a level of awareness. And usually sneaky leaky show up when we're missing something in relationships. So when it's hard or not always, yeah. a lot of the times I just went through a, a, an experience where some, they were an avoidant attachment type and there was some presence and some availability missing. And I was in a stretch of four or five days and just kind of going like, where's my yeah, person that I'm not present, very, very new, but just being like, I'm a, I'm at sea right now alone. Yeah. And I met someone in a coffee shop that I know from the community who was so present with me. Mm. And I observed the part of me that wasn't having my needs met, want to come out and resource the presence and the availability and to engage with this person and it felt good because on some level, my body knows what I mean isn't meeting my right. needs, but it, right. it didn't, it didn't feel good because I knew it wasn't a friendship space. And so I reflected on that. And then I actually, I called and talked to that person and just said, thank you so much for, you know, the other day. And I can't actually spend time with you because I'm dating someone and mm. it's a little challenging. And I noticed myself resourcing. I just was, I'm, you were honest. Yes. Yeah. It's just like, Hey, and then I went to the person I was dating and I was like, 
here's what happened today. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm needing to connect a bit more. I'm needing more presence. I'm needing more availability. And so I think that's a way of handling. Like I think that it, it, whether we are with somebody or not, there will be sparkly objects, sparkly people. <laughs> people will have resonance yeah. with whether, and I call them messengers. And yeah. Laura, this is like, I want to give you actually a different example too, is like, you don't have to fuck the messenger. Yeah. But we think, we think that the messenger is there because there maybe are more. Yeah, it's a sign that we're partner. supposed to be. Yeah. yeah. Yes, and they're yes. just here to shine a light or to wake yeah. something up in you or to call you to consciousness about something. Yeah. Totally. And so when I wasn't aware, this also happened, the first time this happened to me, I was about 22 and I was in a relationship for a year and I was just starting to develop my relationship with my spirituality mm-hmm. and depth and starting to do personal development. And I was really excited about that and alivened by it. And my partner was this amazing man. He was an entrepreneur. He was so adventurous and kind, but he he would literally fall asleep during conversations mm. about spirituality. Mm-hmm. And I was I was missing that. And I went on a trip to Vancouver. I'm Canadian. And I met this musician who was super deep. And we had this gorgeous, enriching four-hour conversation. And I remember coming home, nothing happened physically, but emotionally I'd been like, whoa, what is this? Mm-hmm. And I remember going home and sitting at a table with a my roommate and a, a friend of mine who is this really amazing chef. And he looked at me and he said, he was the one who kind of introduced that it's a messenger. It doesn't yeah. mean you need to leave your relationship. And so I stopped talking to that guy and went to my relationship and went inside and cultivated with choice and presence. Does this exist? You know, and can I cultivate it? it? Yes, exactly. Because if we can't, sometimes it's a message that you're not in the right relationship. Yeah. It really, you cannot. But I'm always willing to do the work. And um, so, yeah, sticky leakies is is what is the integrity that we are holding of self, and what is the integrity our partners are holding, and mm-hmm. how aware are they of their sexual energy? Because there's a very primal mate selection part of us that yes. can just leak it. It can leak it everywhere. And I'll give you an example from my life. Actually, I remember I was probably I've been married almost 20 years, but this was probably 10 years in. And I was on a business trip to New York from Chicago and I was alone and I was coming back from my meeting and the flights, you know, everybody's sitting in the area together and the flight was delayed and delayed and delayed. And I start talking to this guy next to me who was really cute and really funny and really flirty. And, you know, I just had my second baby and I was not feeling very sexy or desirable. And he really made me feel that way. And we were flirting, not like, you know, just joking and that energy was there. And then we get on the plane finally and then they make us get off because there are mechanical problems and they aren't going to be able to make the flight out. So we all get off of the plane And he says, oh, why don't we go grab dinner? And my first instinct was like, sure. And we get outside and I started thinking, oh, shit. Like, I cannot, I cannot do this. So I just said, you know what? I I really am just, I'm going to call in a night. You know, I didn't say I wasn't authentic with him. Although in retrospect, listening to you, I probably should have been. But I just was like, listen, I'm going to go see my friend. I'm really tired. And I was plagued by that. And I really processed it. And I got home to Chicago and I was talking to my husband and I said, listen, I just have to tell you something. I didn't tell him the details, but I said, I am noticing that I am aware of other men in a way that I really haven't been and that I'm wanting to flirt with them and that I'm wanting them to flirt with me. 
And so I'm now very clear that this is something that's missing. And so I'm wondering, you know, whether I can invite you. I want to be more flirtatious with you. I'll take my 100%. But I am wondering whether you're, you'd be willing to flirt with me more because I'm noticing that I'm being called to other men. And that's all I had to say. And he immediately was like, okay, and jumped on board. So that guy was a messenger. But my first thought was like, holy shit, am I not happy in my marriage? Am I, why can't I stop thinking about this guy? And it was that he was sparking some, an awareness in me of something that was missing, which is exactly what you're saying. But I also want to ask, because we're talking about sort of integrity and relationship and the, the sneaky, leaky kind of emotional affair, even the continuum before emotional affair, where you're just kind of putting your energy out there or exchanging energetically, even online. It doesn't even have to be on. I mean, listen, social media is like sneaky, leaky sexuality on steroids. <laughs> but <laughs> but I do want to ask you about this because I see this so much in women, in particular, younger women And I want to know your opinion, because to me, it's a form of sneaky, leaky sexuality that is totally unconscious. But the way in which these girls even, it's not conscious, but it's like they're unconsciously aware that their sexuality is an attractant of likes, followers, positive feedback, which they unfortunately translate as worth, which is a whole other conversation. But would you say that's another kind of form? They're not in a relationship necessarily, but they are sexualizing themselves with the intention of capturing sexual energy from people in the form of likes and followers and whatever else. Mm-hmm. I just had this conversation on such a a shaping scale of like, where does that come from? I think that we often look at an individual rather than the shaping of family, society, patriarchy, like where is it, where is it coming from? And what I am really curious about is I think that so much of the way as women that we have evolved is that we had no worth. We mm-hmm. literally belong to men as purses. And then our worth is being an object um, and what we look like. And I'm reading this book called The Art of Loving by Eric Fromm. Mm-hmm. Another book called Choose Her Every Day or Leave Her. And it's interesting looking at how we value, how we date, how we interact with one another, what we see as value. And I think that women haven't fully been given permission or given themselves permission to explore and develop their value in the multifaceted other parts of themselves, their hearts, their spirits and who they are. And because there has, I I believe men have been hit hundreds of thousands of times with a woman's body as a sexual object, selling a car or purse. Everything. As as women, we've been hit a hundred thousand times by the beauty industry and Cinderella, get a makeover, get the man that I think so much of it, I would like to give women the benefit of the doubt here. And who knows, I think so much of it is an unconscious programming. Yes. Not even for attention. I wrote a post about this. It's it's not even for attention because a man in my life was like, they just want attention. I'm like, no, women are looking. Attention is connection. Yeah. And when I think about connection, I think about belonging. Yeah. And and validation. And, mm -hmm. And, and if we're seeking belonging, you know, it's like, how, how have we failed both men and women? And a large part of that is we have sexualized the woman bo- woman's bodies and we have taught women 
that their worth is their body. And so I think that both men and women are showing up in a way that's really failing the essence of true connection. So I think that, and I can't speak for everyone because maybe some women are like, hey, I remember I was dating somebody a long time ago and they made a comment randomly of you should post more pictures of your body because that'll get me. And I turned my head and he's like, I turned and said, did you hear what just came out of your mouth? Yeah. And he said, oh shit, yeah. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) (laughs) But he's right. And that's in the culture. And I don't think it's conscious. Like, I wouldn't even say it's sneaky. It's more leaky, I guess. And the thing that disturbs me, because I've seen this with my niece, I see this with my, you know, I only have boys, but I've seen this with their female friends. Like, it's the three pictures in the bikini. First, the picture on the beach of her lying there, then of her standing. And then the third swipe is the over the shoulder ass picture. Like every single one of them, that is the formula. And I get so uncomfortable when I see, especially, you know, 14-year-olds doing this. And yet I know that that's just what you do. And so, you know, this is a larger conversation, as you're saying, of changing the culture. And, and you know, maybe we need to do like a course for young women on really cultivating their other powers besides the sexual one, which is like the lowest hanging fruit. You know, like that's like the no brainer, easy peasy, show your ass, get a few likes, whatever. But there's so much more to be explored. Mm -hmm. And speaking of that, I want to ask you about exploring, you know, your wild. You talk about not being afraid of your wilds. And I just want to write, this was something you wrote about. I I wrote it down because I wanted to just speak some of your words back to you. But this is when you were talking about your dad your father, your birth father, who you found later in life and have really forged a relationship with. And you said, when people turn away from him, meaning your father, who's fully in his wild, is what you were saying, what they're really turning away from is their deep longing and desire to be all they are out loud. They're turning away because it's too painful to see someone comfortable with the uncomfortable, the uncomfortable, abnormal parts pulsing inside them. And, you know, I think that's true across the board. When we spot it and judge it, we typically got it, right? We don't want to be with that part of ourselves. So we make it wrong And when we see it in someone else. But can you speak to that a little bit? It doesn't even necessarily have to be about your dad, because I know that you embrace your own, you know, inner wild too. And I think for women especially, and it relates to what we were just talking about with claiming those other parts of yourself and cultivating those rather than just the external Talk about your thoughts about claiming and not being afraid of your wild. Thank you for appreciating that line. I felt that when I wrote it. And that's in the the memoir I'm writing about finding my father. It's actually a blurb from uh, my book. Oh, great. Belonging. And yeah, so thank you. I think many of us unconsciously are conforming constantly in a survival and a safety state and very afraid of showing all of our parts in case we get rejected. And Mm -hmm. then we think that rejected will be ostracization, which will be death for some lizard part of our brain. And for our baby parts, probably, because we weren't allowed to be fully Mm -hmm. ourselves and still be approved of, you know? Totally. And so when I think about embracing our wild, I think it's about embracing all of who we are. And I actually want to give an example of what to do when you maybe feel jealous or insecure in a really concrete way, Um, which is many, many years ago when I lived in Edmonton, Alberta and was practicing yoga at 
a um, studio there that I really love this. I remember one morning, this woman just like gliding in and she was beautiful, but Mm -hmm. she was confident and she had a cup of coffee in her hand in in a home mug. And she lofted into the room with this love and presence and everything inside of me shrunk. And I went, I went into this deep comparison of why am I not that, that goddess. And I ended up being in a personal development five day intensive program with her Mm. and her husband. And I knew her husband from the community. And I, there was a moment where we got to have shares and I stood up and told her how insecure and how jealous I had felt and how small I'd felt in that, in the mightiness of her presence. And she stood up and said that when she had first met me, she felt insecure. (laughs) That's so perfect. And then the facilitator turned to us, Rayanne Woodchats, who I love, and just said, well, it's a mirror of your parts. The best way to overcome jealousy or insecurity is if there's resonance with the other person, to hang out with them, be friends with them, because being in the presence of that will draw out Mm -hmm. that which you are seeing that is also inside of you that you haven't stood in. And so I always, whenever I feel that smallness happen of like, oh, this girl's too badass to be my friend or any kind of shrinky smallness, it's always an invitation of where is my bigness inside that is asking to come forward. And so I think that wild as a metaphor for the authenticity because as you as you probably know our playful fun wild parts do not come out unless there is safety and security in relationship the silliest I am are in my primary like I know they've got my parts you know and so I think that also we can't access our wild unless we feel safe within ourselves and safe within relationships as well. Yeah. And sometimes it just means expressing your wilds alone, you know, dancing like crazy in the closet, like whatever it is. But I do love the idea because I, I never thought about it before, but I naturally do the same thing. I don't, I guess when I was much, much younger, you know, in my teens and tw- early twenties, I probably would shrink in the presence of a woman who I thought was somehow better than me, more beautiful, more graceful, more lovable, more powerful, you know, fill in the blank. But I would say for most of my adult life, and I even did it with you, like anytime I see a woman who I'm like, oh, she's a badass or oh, she's so smart or oh, she's so gorgeous, you know, whatever it is, I want some of what she's having. I want to I want to be in her presence. And I think that happens only when you start to claim your own yumminess. Like, I think that that it's hard for people to do, not only to claim their own wildness, but to, I love the idea because I do find it amazingly powerful to be in the presence of people, you know, and any business leader or teacher will say this, you know, you want, if you want to be a millionaire, hang around millionaires. You know, if you want to be a whatever, hang around those people. And I think there's some truth to that because you learn a lot, but you're also that energy is infectious. You know, you align with that frequency. But I guess you have to be, because I know a lot of people don't do that. And the reason they don't do that is because they make up those stories. Like, oh, they either make that person bad. Like you could have said about that woman that came to the, oh, she's probably a snob and a bitch and whatever else, you know, and made her wrong or bad in your smallness, right? You could have done that. 
Or you could have said, oh, she's so beautiful and wonderful and not stood up and spoken in class and just said she would never be friends with me and not reached out to her. But because you were willing to claim your own greatness and you were stepping into it, you know, in that course or in that workshop or in wherever we do that, I think that's what opens the door to not only connecting with that person, but claiming it for ourselves. Don't you think? Yes, completely agree. And it's, it's, I think it's important to notice the level up friendships. And I met two women in the community about a year ago and I hung out with them and I was bouncing off the walls Mm -hmm. with so much energy. And, and I, like holy shit where did this come from because there was so much resonance and they're just big humans creating Mm -hmm. big impact Mm -hmm. and I had this feeling of wow these are the friends that I want that I don't have yet and I actually sourced them both out recently and said I want to cultivate weekly relationships where I live my life with a very select few people yeah I don't want to just catch people up on life and you're one of like I'm choosing you you're one of my Aww. people you want to have a, a weekly visit and both of them echo the same sentiments of that initial resonance and peace and paying attention and not being afraid it, it, I think the Gottman's called an emotional bid mm-hmm. you know, when we go mm-hmm. we go first and put our yep. little vulnerable parts out and just say, I want to be your friend uh, yeah my <laughs> friend Um, and that intentionality is is beautiful and it's and it's interesting because some of the most brilliant artists humans out there are the most lonely and so it's interesting that we think like oh they already have friends yeah they wouldn't want me yeah no that's not I haven't found that to be true at all and I am very brazen when I'm attracted to someone energetically. And I do think that as we, you know, I write about this all the time and it's the whole quantum love thing, but I do think that as we continue to heal, and this has especially been true since everybody's had such a coming to Jesus year and a half during COVID, you know, where we've had to face so many things, each of us in our own universes and shed a lot of things, many of us, that as we raise our frequency, which means living more in integrity, living more in love, living more in open-heartedness, living more in vulnerability, claiming our power, you know, our frequency rises and we can only be in relationship. Like people will only come into your life who are resonant with your frequency. So as you raise your frequency with healing and all of those things I just mentioned, then it, it's just very naturally many friends and people will just drift away. You don't have to big, have big blowouts with them. They just no longer in the same frequency. And all these new interesting people start to come in. And even better when you set that intention, right? I remember doing that years ago. I had all these friends who I love and many of them I still love. But so many of them were hot messes. Like I was the caretaker and that was a way that I found emotional safety and lots of other things. It's how I was raised. It's where I found my value back then. But it got to a point where I was just exhausted and and sick. And I just decided I need women in my life who are going to teach me, who are going to be the wise women. I don't want to teach anyone anymore. I want to learn and I want to be Mm. in the energy of other seekers. And like the next day when I really claimed that, I got an invitation to join this like random group and I discovered this whole beautiful community of women I didn't even know existed. And I think there's something really powerful about setting that intention. And that's what you did. I love that. I I love that. Yeah, very, very, very resonant and and agree. And it's I actually want to ask you a question. Go ahead. Ask me a question. I was, I was, I was, do you think that 
when we're ready to break up with a friend or a person. And I think it depends if they're showing up a lot, knocking on the door, or whether right. it organically kind of just dissipates quietly. Do you think in those instances, because I lead so deeply by transparency mm-hmm. in a way that makes the world pretty uncomfortable. And I don't know if it would be loving or kind, but I've talked to a few people about, should we create a world where we just tell somebody, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm always going to say hi and be friendly when I see you around town, but I just have very limited capacity for core relationship. Yeah. And I don't, I don't have resonance to go as deep with you as I feel that you're having. And I just want to be honest and transparent and, and tell you that so that you can free up some space in your life to find people who also want to go that deep with you. Do you think those kind of conversations would go over well? <laughs> I, you know, I, I, and it would be a beautiful world if they did across the board. They don't, right? It depends on the person. And I, you know that the people in your life who can hold that you know, the way that the, the the litmus that I tend to use when I try that on in my own mind is, is what I'm going to tell them a gift in some way? Like, first of all, like, you know, am I going to be able to give them some feedback? Because it's not enough to just say we're not resonant because they're, you know, they're going to be like, uh, like, what's not good enough about me? Right. Like, but it's that like, look, I'm really interested in spending my time this way. And you only, you know, you mostly are interested in going to bars and and, and that's fine, but I'm not really interested in that. Or I'm really interested in, in, in gratitude and like cultivating that in myself. And I, you know, where you are right now, no judgment is that you're really in a place of struggling and it's really hard for you to be in that. And and I find it hard to be around, you know, that kind of stuff. If it's something that will, A, hold up a mirror that can be a gift to them, even if it's a painful gift, and B, very important, if there's a reasonable chance they'll take it in. Like there are some people who, you know, you could give them the feedback and there's no freaking way they're going to take it in. They're just going to demonize you and it's not going to make any difference. In those cases, I don't bother saying anything. But I did just actually do this with a friend from Chicago who had done several things really kind of rejecting and not there for me things and sort of showed back up. And I just said to her, look, I will always love you. I will always wish you well. But your behavior made clear to me that I'm not as important to you as you have been to me, that I'm not someone who you're going to make a priority in your life when I most need you. And that's fine. Like no harm, no foul. But I'm not really interested in investing my energy there, you know, but I will always wish you well. And I will always, you know, hold you with love in my heart. And that's it. And, you know, I didn't even need a response from her and she didn't respond, which was kind of typical, but I knew she heard me. So I think it just depends. But I also find that there are so many people, if you just focus on yourself, they just drift away, you know, because they're no longer we can only perceive people, things around us that are vibrating in harmony with us. So anyone who isn't vibrating in harmony with you will either blow up or disappear on their own because they're not in your frequency anymore. So they can't be in your reality. And I see that with love relationships all the time. People say, oh, what am I going to do? You know, if I raise my frequency and work on my own worth and, you know, raise my energetic frequency, what do I do about my partner? And I always say, well, you know, one of a couple of things will happen. Either your partner will rise with you, which often happens, or 
They won't. And at a very clear point, it will be a no brainer whether you stay or go. It won't be like this horrible, painful, should I, shouldn't I decision. It will just be very clear what you should do. One way or the other, it's going to work out. And I think it's the same thing with friendships. I love that answer. There's a quote by, I live in Encinitas, and there's a Yogananda uh, retreat, little, not little, there's a big center here. And he has a quote that says, live in the present moment and the future will take care of itself. And yeah. uh, I know that's a simple. That's so people, true. People have said it, but it's, it's that, that place. I love what you said. I'm a, I'm an Enneagram. I forget what it is. I'm also the helper. That's my. That's a two. It's either a six or a two. I get them confused, but I think it's a two. Yeah. I lead with, I lead with my value also being the supporter. Yeah. The blue. So I, res- I resonate with what you said. And what I'm realizing is when I let that identity go and that worth go, there's just so much other stuff yeah. underneath, which is beautiful. So I just also wanted to say same. And uh, I love that. I love that. I love that piece. Thank you yeah. for, thank you for answering that. I, I chew on, I think it's a bit of both. Yeah. Sometimes no, sometimes yes. There's yeah. And the emotional vampires will disappear if you're not willing to be their feeder anymore. You know, they won't stick around. Mm-hmm. So now Claiming, let's just talk for a minute because this is another similarity we have. I think we're going to be friends too, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I was already going to Um, to send her a card. (laughs) But a lot of what I do in general, certainly around sexuality and claiming your sexuality, but also around trauma healing and also just around healing is, you know, this theme I call being in body, sort of my term for it. But for so much of my life and many, most of our lives, because of the way we were raised, because of our busy, busy lives, because of our traumas, we don't spend a lot of time in our bodies. And spiritual seekers, which I would characterize myself and you two are one I know many of us are, you know, there's sort of this belief, I guess, you know, you're supposed to be connecting to your higher self. You're supposed to be up in the spirit world, which is like, and it took me so long to realize, because it seems almost counterintuitive, that the greatest spiritual connection actually can occur when you are fully in your body and not up in the stars or in woo-woo, like when you're fully present with your physicality, that that is the bridge to your soul, which seems so counterintuitive when you think about it, but it's really true. And so over the past six months or so, as I've been healing from the incomparable pain of losing a child, I had no choice but to fully embrace that. I guess I did have a choice, but I had learned through past experiences when I didn't do that, and I rushed to, let me make spiritual meaning out of it. Let me connect with their souls. Let me write about it. Let me teach about it. Let me not like be present with it. That's when I got breast cancer. And so I was like, I am not doing that again. I'm going to stay really healthy. I'm going to claim this. And it has been really hard, but unbelievably healing. And a huge part of not only my ability to survive this, but thrive through this for the most part and continue to, you know, it's a lifelong process, but this idea of body wisdom and being in your body. And I see you do this on your own Instagram. I mean, I do it on mine. I put up these ridiculous videos of me like shaking and dancing and looking, you're much more gorgeous and fit than I am. 
I'm not saying for real. I'm just saying according to those standards of, of current beauty. And I'm still out there shaking my wobbly ass and, you know, moving around and not at all graceful or surfing like you are. But I notice that you do the same thing, that you're often shaking or dancing or moving. Um, I mean, I think you call it more, which is the same thing, body wisdom, Right. But but I want to ask you about the role that that plays in your life and how that connects, which is such a huge, important piece for all women to intuition and guidance. Mm. I'd love to answer that. And I have to go back for a minute because when you were talking, my whole body flooded with emotions and heart. I just wanted to say I can't imagine oh, thank that, you. That, that experience. And just um, thanks for the vulnerable share. And um, I understand I would probably desire to leave my body as well if yeah. I had to process a similar piece. So yeah, absolutely. Um, just just wanted to say, yeah, thanks for sharing that. And and your question was around the importance of being in the body. Can you reflect? Yeah, but you were too busy like, holy shit, this is so hard. I know. And I'm like talking about it because I talk about it so much. I'm kind of more matter of fact about it. So I'm, yeah. I apologize for my like, yeah, no. by the way. No, I'm just, I was just feeling. You were just feeling my, you know, yeah. it's funny. I'm, I'm taking this class, this kind of psychic class, psychic building class with one of my teachers and we practice a lot together. And it's kind of a joke among my classmates because I tell them, don't even try, like none of them they know not to read me with their second chakra because if they do, they'll start crying and like feeling my pain. I'm like, don't go in there. Just use your third eye. Don't go to your second chakra. Okay, so we were talking. I wanted to ask you about the power of being in your body, you know, that that embodiment and how that cultivates body wisdom, that intuition, that gut knowing and trusting that knowing, which is where we have the hardest. I mean, many of us get the gut instincts, but we talk ourselves out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel I am in it. I, I feel I have been doing practices of embodiment without realizing they were embodiment practices. And I really resonate with, we have to be grounded. You know, we do need to connect to, especially if we're doing energy channeling because mm-hmm. we have to have an anchor and our anchor and our home is our body. And I agree with you. There's a lot of very ungrounded. I think Jeff Brown has a book called Ungrounded Spirituality. And I think that that is, I think the level we're all feeling right now in the collective is what does embodiment look like? So I do a lot of physical movement. Um, I surf a few hours a day. Mm-hmm. I do yoga. I do breath work. I think all of those practices put me in my body, but I actually very recently have been tuning in in such a deep way to the body wisdom and the intuition and realizing how right I am. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to say that again, (laughs) how right I am Uh, every time and the desire to override that to trust others. And then the, no, I know. And I knew, and I think that lately how it started as a cue was how does my nervous system feel around certain people Mm -hmm. and, and how am I feeling in my body and just paying attention to some of the wisdom of, I call it resonance more so because I don't want to be rejecting of people or judgmental. I think that we all live in different values Mm -hmm. and And different frequencies. Who who do I got values aligned with or not? And so I just started to notice the subtle uh, pieces. And then I actually just got out of something I was in for about six weeks. I was dating somebody and my intuition was speaking pretty deeply. I wasn't even with having dreams. And I 
ended up being right about it and several times Mm -hmm. continuously and ended up ending it as well because what I was right about, I didn't like. (laughs) Yeah. Can you say what it was or you don't want to? Well, I, what I would say is I think it's normal, exactly what we've been talking about. It's normal to get confused Mm -hmm. by the sparkly objects. Mm -hmm. And so the person I was with had a sparkly object from his past. Ah, so he was sneaky leaking. He very, very briefly and then decided that he wanted to explore it. And my response was, there will always Mm -hmm. be sparkly objects out there. And so I have empathy and compassion in he's new to the dating world in many ways. I think there's just a bit of learning and experience there. But I was like, listen, this is a cashmere. Yeah. A cashmere pussy over here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) With no cobwebs. You don't, you don't pause. Yes. You know, yes. If you can't, if you can't, and not that other women aren't cashmere pussies. No. Well, everyone has to I, claim their own cashmere pussy. You claim uh, yours. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so I had a really beautiful moment. And actually what I wanted to touch on was sometimes it isn't knowing that there is someone better, but it's putting ourselves in the mystery, but just knowing in our bodies, that's not enough. Yeah. And I and not that someone isn't enough, that the experience isn't enough. And I'm what I'm really tuning into is the subtleties of what we say and what we don't say and how every energetic I've had two men approach me recently and just every way, every little thing either builds trust or takes away from trust. Yeah. And just being in a space of feeling in my body, like how does it feel to be approached and interacted with and I'm not even really using my mind. I'm just using how it feels inside. I am using my mind obviously a bit, but just more of how does it how yeah. does it feel and how do I tune into that and and trusting that it's really scary to be alone and to I'm a I like to I go for all of as a surfer. I will paddle for waves that will never break. And mm-hmm. I always joke like, I believe in all of them. I believe in all of them. I believe. That's a metaphor. <laughs> like I, yeah. I, so many metaphors. I really do believe and see the potential yeah. in every human being. Yeah. And that's dangerous because it's how are we, how is somebody showing up in a way that cultivates trust with us? Because yes. Everyone has a great potential. And so I think it's choosing inherently choosing our our worthiness and inherently choosing yeah the the enoughness or not enoughness and trusting that even if we don't know what the future is just trusting ourselves and trusting that that it will and not settling yeah I have so many girlfriends and people I've worked with who I've known for so many years and you know watch and cheer on and hold hands as they I can see the upgrades in their relationships. You know, I can see that this guy that she's with, you know, is attentive and sweet, but like totally shut down to life and not willing to ever go on adventures. And so now she's clear she wants someone adventurous. And the next one is sweet and attentive and adventurous, but super controlling. And, you know, it's like one after the other and they slowly upgrade learning more each time. And I love that. I also love what you say about 
the knowing, and I, and I want to get really specific here because I don't think that a lot of people who aren't in their bodies, which quite frankly, I think is most of us, understand that in, oper- in operationalization. And one of the things I'll just mention as a tip, and you can weigh in with any tip you have, is one of the things that has really helped me understand what my body is telling me, and of course, trusting it, is to learn just starting with what does yes feel like in your body? And what does no feel like in your body? And even if you say those words while sitting quietly, if you say yes to yourself, or you even think of something that you would say yes to, what does it feel like physiologically in your body? What is open? What is closed? What is spread? What is bubbling? You know, and then try on no. And so as you start to understand the body signals, then you immediately can read them in response to other people and feedback. I mean, because for me, for most of my earlier life, before I really started practicing this, it would have to be such an extreme case. And there were some of those. Like I remember my sister, when her oldest, you know, who's now in his 20s, was a little baby. She was about to hire a new nanny or maybe her first nanny slash babysitter. And I met this woman and, you know, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. I was like, no. And I never, you know, that wasn't something typical for me. And I was like, no, like something's, well, what's wrong with her? I don't know, but something's really bad. No, nothing's wrong. She has great, you know. Meanwhile, turned out on the nanny cam, she was shaking the baby and doing all this toxic stuff. And I was right. And that was when I was like, okay, I'm on to something there. And my husband, who, by the way, is not at all woo-woo or spiritual, the few times he has been about to hire someone for his business or whatever else, and I usually meet almost everyone he works with or hires, I would say there were two times where I was like, no. And he would say, why? I don't know. Just no. Like bad, bad juju, not going to work out. And he has, he literally, I guess because I've only said it twice and like, but he has listened. And I think that that was as far as my intuition went, you know, until maybe 10 or 15 years ago when I started cultivating this other part. But there's so many subtleties and information. And it's so hard to trust, especially like when you really want that thing that's coming at you and it looks so shiny and good. And yet there's something in your tummy and then questioning. And I'm curious what you think about this. Okay, so am I feeling this tightness in my tummy because there's something off with this other person? Or is it that I'm scared of vulnerability or I'm scared of something that has nothing to do with that? Yes. And this is the this is the part where I think we lose ourselves, Mm -hmm. or at least if you do personal development this is where I have continued to all own that where I have lost myself is I have a tendency to take responsibility over too much Mm -hmm. and to kind of pathologize it a little bit too much too around it. And I think that we sometimes will think that we're in fear or insecure, or it's about us, or it's our history, or it's our baggage. And then we go, no, you know, it's probably this. And rather than it's a no. Mm -hmm. And so I think that takes some discernment and pieces and a very concrete example that I would like to give is uh, I have a friend whose partner in the past was disloyal and now they're in the repair phase. And the reality is he's not being disloyal right now, but her nervous system and her body Mm -hmm. has the, it happens. Vigilant. Yeah. And so, yes, Yeah. The vigilance of it. And so I've been trying to affirm So I think that it's good to check in when that shows up as a reaction of fear. And 
I mean, this is multifaceted, but the example I'm going to give is also a surfing metaphor of, is it danger? Is it fear? And I, I like to think about fear more being past stuff and maybe you could look at danger as intuition or actuality. Mm, that's a good distinction. Metaphor. But it, I'll be surfing sometimes and there's seaweed in the ocean and it's murky. And when anything touches my leg, even if it's my leash, yeah. I automatically go shark. Yeah. And it's, it's from a space of fear. Yeah. You know, there largely is a, I feel something and go, Woo, you know, get spooky. And that for me is fear. Whereas if there's an actual shark fin coming towards you, <laughs> or a, a yeah, that's danger. Like, <laughs> like there's a shark in the water. And so I think that it's also good to check in around when we're trying to figure out what is from the past versus right now, what are the actual shark fin cues? And so mm-hmm. it's sometimes it's helpful to put things in your phone of, you know, this was real in our relationship of, yeah. of, of pieces, not to, to encourage the investigator in all of us. Yeah, but there's um, some, when you question that, I think it's true. And also if you were someone who was gaslit a lot in your earlier life or in past relationships, it's really hard to trust your knowing. So you sometimes need that analysis to hold on to your own discernment, I think. I mean, that was especially true for me, I know, and for many people I know, that to really claim your discernment, you do that intellectual exercise, like, and I love that. Is it fear or is it danger? Fear being from the past and danger being like literal clear signs of the shark fin, so to speak. And the other thing I guess I would add to that is that I found really powerful, especially in recent years, and the only way I can describe it is to to run it through your heart. Like if you, if you move that question, is this a story I'm telling myself or is this real, this gut instinct I am having about X, Y, or Z? And you literally center it almost in the center of your chest and you put all of your conscious awareness in that heart center. It's like your body will just, you just know, like if you relax and you feel like, I often feel truth chills, I call them, you know, where I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's true. Mm. Or other times it'll be a little constriction and that's my body's no. And I'm like, oh, okay, so maybe this isn't real. So I think it's a process of learning your body's own language, but it starts with that body awareness that you model so beautifully. So thank you Mm. for that. Yeah. I could talk to you for days, but is there anything else that you want to make sure you share? Do you have any workshops coming up or any things people could explore? I have one more thing to add on what we were just talking about, which feels relevant and very important in the world of personal development and coaches and therapists is that you should never let anyone else be your compass and to please use coaches, friends, partners as a sounding board for your body. And so sometimes I will pro- I process verbally and I like to process verbally with somebody, not because I need them to tell me what to do, because sometimes I'll completely disagree, mm-hmm. but I will hear my body either go, oh yeah, or like, nah, no, you just didn't say what I wanted, but now I know what I As wanted. you're saying it out loud, that happens. Yeah, you're or saying. they're saying, like, yeah. let's say they said like, oh, you should fire that person. If that's not my truth, I'll feel, uh, you'll feel it. Yeah. I'll, I, I use them as a sounding board mm-hmm. often in listening to body knowing. And I think that's a distinction missing. Many of us just adopt. Yeah. You're my guru. Tell me what's true or not. And any good teacher or mentor will tell you, do not, there is no guru. You're the guru. Just mm-hmm. use me as a guide, you know, and take 
whatever offerings resonate with you. But you're absolutely right. And I've been guilty of that, you know, earlier in my life, too, when I first started this journey and had teachers who I really trusted and respected. And they didn't lead me astray, but I put my power in their hands rather than claiming it myself. So I think that's a really important distinction. Totally. We will always be led astray if we listen to the truth of others over mm-hmm. our own truth. Amen, they, sister. Uh, woo! And it's there. <laughs> there. Yeah, as far as connecting with me, I have two books. This is for the women who don't give a fuck. And that's the first one. The second book. That's the first one. And then there's Cobwebs on Her Vagina is the second one. And I also... Yeah, as far as connecting with me, books are a great place to start. Mm-hmm. And then I have a, an email list that I send love letters to. Oh, I'll have, have to a- get on your email list. I haven't done that yeah. yet. I do follow you, as you know. And if you want to follow her, she's um, beautiful to look at. But more importantly, beautiful hearted and and spoken and written and um, very inspiring. Yana Robinson. And Yana is spelled J-A-N-N-E Robinson. That's your Instagram ty- uh, tag. Is it on the other social media platforms as well? Yana Robinson, author on Facebook. Okay. Um, I, have, I have a personal and a, an author account there. But yeah, both those are great. And I do coaching and I have a program called Your Truth is Your Medicine, which mm-hmm. is about being our own GPS system. Oh, which good. I launch one, once a year. There's a wait list up for that right now. So um but thank you so much. And also the title of the book, because we are almost oh, yeah. and that was that was a question. Honor in. It's, it's titled, so it's interesting because I channel a lot of poems, and that is a, a poem about a gynecologist and a mother and a daughter, and she's getting a checkup. And it the rant I wrote that poem after working with a client who is really renovating her relationship with her sexuality after being in a deeply religious purity ring type um, mm-hmm. childhood. And so I was feeling infuriated by her experience, the experience of women at large, the repression of women at large. And, and so as far as whether it was on or in, it's actually grammatically incorrect. It should should be there is, or like, yeah, you said there is, and it should be, there are cobwebs. I knew you did that on purpose. There was cobwebs on her vagina. Uh-huh. And I also just, I don't edit things when it comes mm-hmm. to poetry. I really firmly honor that. Uh, I won't completely say that none of it is my brilliance, but I do channel a lot. <laughs> so I, I don't want to fuck it up. Yeah. You're well, saying exactly what comes through. Well, we'll have yeah. to have another conversation about channeling because writing, I know, is one of the most powerful ways to download that wisdom. So I'll pick your brains for another show maybe about cultivating the higher realms through through written love that expression is definitely my genius i feel people seek me out as a coach more so for expression than anything so i'd love to talk about that i'm also looking forward to reading your book i've definitely heard of it before this and um, i'm excited to to dive in And, and thank you so much also for your time and presence and really beautiful questions this was really lovely. it was really fun talking to you we will talk again we're gonna be friends yeah, yeah. <laughs> and maybe you'll get me surfing i've been too i've been too intimidated by it but i definitely want to learn so at some point I would, I would love to take you surfing i was just 
pushing. It's so funny. So many men I've dated have asked me to teach them how to surf. And I'm always like, ah, hire a surf coach. And then I took a friend of mine last week and was pushing her into waves. And yeah. I'm, I'm, defi- I'm definitely feeling a willingness with with, with the, women right. you know there's yeah, a group women. there's a group called sisters surfers or something i almost went to one of their things here in la and i couldn't because i was out of town but i do want to and it's like surf therapy for women which i think is so cool uh sister surfers or something they're called anyway uh, we'll have to check well, that out you're gonna have to come down to encinitas and uh we'll have a uh, salted caramel cashew latte yeah um, which is an experience and then we'll have to go surf <laughs> all right definitely and if you're in la you you let me know as well the next time you're here yana thank you so much for your beautiful heart and soul and for spending time with us and sharing your wisdom and we will all keep following you i'll get on your mailing list to get your love notes and I will look forward to speaking to you and hopefully playing with you soon. Ditto, ditto, same. I'm looking forward to reading your book and thank you so much for today. Thank you. Much love. Mm -hmm. And thanks for listening. Let me know if you have a question about anything on your mind about this conversation or anything to do with love, sex, and relationships. You know I'm all about helping you learn to love and be loved better. That's why we're all here. I'll see you next time. (laughs) 